All right. Welcome, everybody, to the first podcast of Discussions on Christianity. I am the host, Adam Hobbs, and with me today, I have the assistant minister at Rappahannock Church of Christ, Mr. Jim Ward. Hi, Jim. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on, sir. All right. And what we're going to be talking about today is the different versions of the Bible that have come about through history and why people believe in the different versions and how they came about and general discussion on that. Okay. Where would you like to start? Um, Let's start with a topic that I've come across recently that um, also comes about in my past, too. Um, uh, For instance, my grandmother uh, believed that the King James Version of the Bible was the only version of the Bible and that nothing else could ever be. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Oh, I know exactly what you're saying. (laughs) Yes. I've, I've dealt with a lot of people who had the same thought process. Yeah. And it, it really stuns me a lot because they will know about the Greek scrolls and they'll know about the Greek language and sometimes even use Greek in their discussions. But at the same time, only the English King James Version is the proper version. <laughs> right. Um, one of my favorite um, one of my favorite stories when I was, gosh, I may be. Uh, 13, 14, somewhere around in there. Mm-hmm. And we were having that discussion in a in the church that we belonged to, and it was a very small church. We probably averaged 40 to 50 people on Sunday morning, and it was in Richmond, the south side of Richmond. Uh-huh. And the name of the church was Church of Christ at Southside, not a non-instrumental church. It, it was an instrumental Church of Christ. Mm-hmm. And there was this, uh, we were having a discussion, I think it was maybe Wednesday, on a Wednesday evening when things weren't quite as, uh, uh, um, uh, what's the word, Um, when the preacher didn't stand up and lecture, it was more of a discussion type of... Yeah, uh, so everyone gets an input and everyone gets to listen and put their own two cents in. There was a discussion. So... We were talking about this very issue, mm-hmm. about different translations, and one lady stood up, and, and I am just tickled pink, because this is basically a, uh, uh, a story, or a, uh, what, do they, what do they call it when it's a made-up, a myth, a, uh, a cultural myth, yeah. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I witnessed it, and it was just amazing. And even at that age, I couldn't believe I heard her say this, that this is what she said. She stood up and she said, in her little frail voice, little old lady, she said, well, if the King James Version was good enough for Paul, it's good enough for me. (laughs) But that's what she really, really believed. Mm -hmm. And I think that... I think that her her ignorance, and I don't mean that in a negative way, just a, a factual ignorance, that yeah. had just gotten the best of her um, understanding, and um, her her wisdom didn't work because she didn't have enough knowledge. Yeah, and I think a lot of the different versions stems from the lack of knowledge. Um, I, I well, <laughs> that think about what you just said because I believe. What exactly what you said to be true? A lot of versions yeah. stem from <laughs> the lack of knowledge. Yeah. 
Hey, when you only got a piece of something, it can sprout into a whole different branch, right? That's right. Mm -hmm. That's exactly right. Yeah. So ask me some specific questions. All right. So let's go with uh, what is your favorite Greek passage, or what are some of the things that you love about the Greek words that are not in the English translations? Well, I am not. I didn't even have to take Greek. Um, in fact, I went to Bible college so that I didn't have to take math. Nice. And I was a, a music major, so I didn't have to take language. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> but so I didn't take Greek or Hebrew, mm -hmm. um, although a lot of my classes were centered around the Greek meaning of words. And I picked up a few here and there. Mm -hmm. For instance, um, when the word uh, worship in our Bible is translated, it's translated generally speaking from two different words. One is uh, the Greek is proskuneo, meaning, uh, and that was a Greek word for, I don't know what the Hebrew was, but it, it was a, a word that meant to lay prostrate, to kiss toward, to give homage, uh, and that's what worship meant, was mm -hmm. bowing down before. And uh, in in the New Testament writings, and let, let's say after the Gospels, in the true New Testament, when, when Jesus died in the New Testament era, mm -hmm. uh, the word that we translate as worship is now latruo. The Greek word is latruo, and that word means to serve, mm -hmm. and that's related to the passage uh, uh, Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2. Uh, I urge you, my brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's mm -hmm. the word we use, but the word is, so, the actual word, pardon me, the actual word is um uh, Latruo, or this is your spiritual act of service. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, it, and now it's not just laying prostrate before, but it is uh, giving yourself, offering your entire self uh, in service. So interest, those kinds of things, that's what I was exposed to as I was going through seminary. And um, there are several Greek words that, um, and I'm really only prepared because I, I'm not studied on this subject, uh, well-versed, I should say, because I did not take language. Well, that's fine. We but all there, pick up different pe different bits and pieces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, uh, the original meaning of the words get lost in translation. Mm -hmm. And... Um, uh, I guess we'll just start here. Let, let's do that. Do you mind if I just pick a word and, and show where different versions, because well, I'll actually start there. Let's talk about the difference between, in my, what, from my training, a, a version and a translation are two different things. Yes. Um, um, so uh, what I learned is that a version is not necessarily a translation but it is uh, partly translation and partly um, poetic adaptation. Uh, yeah, 
uh, and cultural adaptation mm-hmm. and on and on and on. Yeah. Um, well, uh, it's for different people won't ahead. understand the same words today as they understand 2,000 years ago. So exactly. culturally, you will change certain things to portray the same meaning. Exactly. The Jewish uh, the Hebrew is full, and the Jewish culture is full of euphemisms that mm-hmm. we don't understand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, we weren't there. We don't know. We weren't. Yeah. We and weren't. we know some of them. Um, uh, if you look up euphemisms, even on Google, by the way, this is a side issue. I love the fact that Mr. <laughs> Google knows more about the Bible than most Christians. <laughs> and Mr. Google, I think, thinks the Bible is not true. That's my opinion. But well, I, find I, I would also say probably most Christians don't study the Bible anyways. But You are correct. Yeah. <laughs> But so that, there's there's that difference. There's translation, uh, and there's version of the of the different Bibles because a version is um, really sometimes like good news for modern man. Mm-hmm. That version was it had a a particular reason for being a version and not a translation because it was really focused on. Uh, really focused on explaining to the modern reader, the modern English reader, mm-hmm. what was really going on without explaining. They just put it in terms that the average person could understand, yeah. which in a way I guess is a translation, but they did not translate specific words necessarily. They translated phraseology. Yeah, it is a metaphorical translation instead of a literal translation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, um, so with that said, let me just pick on one that I know that that I speak about the most uh-huh. when it comes to. Oh, go ahead. Translations uh, and words, and because you brought up the King James version, mm-hmm. um, I don't know all the specifics, but I know that the King James version was uh, parts of it were translated from the Greek. And uh, other parts were translated from, um, and I don't even Septuagint? know what part it is. Yep, from mm-hmm. different from other translations, which yeah. makes third-party translations. So you lose some, mm-hmm. you know, translation in that. It's like it's like using using uh, something that came out of a mold to make a mold to make another product. Yeah. And it's not out of the original mold, so it's not necessarily exactly right. So anyway, yeah, and sometimes the little oh, sometimes the literal translations can offer a lot more insight into what was going on as well, if you can understand exactly. what the history behind that means. Exactly. Um, generally speaking, and this was what I was trained to believe. Uh, and let me just preface it by reminding you that this is not my area of study. So it was what I was trained yeah. to know and believe. And that is, generally speaking, the NASB, the New American Translation, um, New, Amer- New, New American Standard, Standard Bible? Standard Bible, yes, mm-hmm. is uh, closer to the word-for-word Greek 
-hmm. And that's why when you read it, sometimes the phrasing seems off or backward. Yeah. uh, Because it was as close a translation word for word from Greek into English. Yeah. uh, That was one of the closest. uh, And that's when it was done. I don't know how, what translations there are out there now, the latest. I, I just don't know. But. One of the words that um, is fascinating to me is it was a word that was not, and you're aware of it, I'm sure, is uh, the word that we have today, baptize, or mm-hmm. baptism. That was from the Greek word baptizo. And, but we didn't get a translation. We got a transliteration. Yeah. They took a Greek word and uh, American or uh, English, Anglicized, Anglicized it. it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And made it um, sound like the Greek word, but it had no meaning because prior to the King James Version, that word did not exist mm-hmm. in English. Same kind of thing and as Messiah, where you have Meshia. Tell me, tell me. Uh, you have yeah, Meshia me. in the Hebrew. Um, uh-huh. Messiah is basically the anglicized version of that. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. So anyway, and that's uh, that's one of the words that I use when people say uh, the King James Version is the authorized version of the Bible. <laughs> and a lot of people think that the, the authorized version means God authorized it. Well, no, yeah. that's not. King James is the one that authorized it. And uh, so there's a problem. And then we explain that that is not the meaning of the word. Baptism has no meaning because it was it was transliterated. Yeah, and so explain what the meaning of the word baptizo is, and it changes a lot of the doctrine that was created based on the King James version. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than it being biblical doctrine, it was doctrine based on people's conclusion of what the scripture said mm-hmm. rather than what the scripture said. Yeah. Whereas the baptizo would mean to be fully submersed. Yeah. Yes, exactly. To dip, to plunge are the words that I was taught that it meant. Mm-hmm. Uh, to dip, plunge, to immerse. Um, <clears throat> that. That's why... And I don't even know what date it was, but when that argument started happening, they kept using the word immerse, immerse, immerse. And of course, we don't we don't say that really in our English language anymore. Yeah. You know, we just don't we just don't say yeah, that. Yeah, it, it's and, not really used in any language today, except to say when somebody immerses themselves in another language. Yeah, yeah, in a different context, totally yeah. different context than what mm-hmm. it was. Uh, for there. So t- uh, tell me some of the words that you're aware of that the uh, King James Version, or maybe other versions, transliterated or the words have lost their meaning. Um, actually, one of the ones that I like to go on is um, from Genesis, actually. So going back to Hebrew, uh-huh. um, when Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, I can't remember the exact word that's used. But it literally means clothed in flesh. Uh-huh. So, oh, that's interesting. 
Yeah. So you know, in in the tr- in the translation, it goes they were clothed in the you know like flesh of sheep or something like that, so yeah. that you know it, they were made clothes. But if you yes. actually look at the Hebrew word, it means clothed in flesh. Well, that brings about a whole different uh, context of of what the fall might actually be. Yeah. Yeah. They they were naked before, and then all of a sudden, oh look. We're naked. Yep. <laughs> That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. So I like that one a lot. Um, it, there's there's several that are very, when you look at them, another one from Genesis actually is uh, the rib. Uh, when Eve oh, was taken yeah. from Adam, uh, the yeah. actual word there means, it means rib or it means flank. So a flank would be like a flank of an army or a flank of a side of meat or things like that. So if right. you take the um, making of Adam from God's image, God would have right. both masculine and feminine parts, and then right. he would be split in half for masculine and feminine, Adam and Eve. Right. Okay. Kind of a uh, flank. Yeah, mm-hmm. I I I grasp I I, I uh, grasp that concept. Uh, yeah, it's it. So what is so? With that said, then let me just um, let me press you a bit more. What oh, is ahead. your conclusion of of that information? So I believe that we are made in the image of God. We are three uh-huh. in one. We have a body, we have uh-huh. a mind, and we have our spirit. Uh-huh. Okay. Um and we have a physical body, we have uh-huh. a conscious body, and we have a spiritual okay. body. Okay. And I believe personally that we were a conscious and spiritual body in the garden, and then when we fell, we fell into our, and were put into the physical body. Oh, that's very interesting. That gives uh, all kinds of, all kinds of ideas with the, uh, with the discussion of the uh, triune God, because mm-hmm. tri- <laughs> you have um, you have omnipresent with the Spirit, uh-huh. which is in everything and is all one. Right. You have the omni uh, omniscience with the thought, right. with the mind, and then you have the omnipotent with the physical and the power. Yeah, that's uh, that's. That's really good. That's very insightful. I like um, to I like to think on the three and one a lot because it's I think it's very key to our nature. Yeah, I would say. Uh, so let me uh, l- let me just throw this out this question out to you. What? Uh, so where does where does the word soul come in? I think the soul is the within the aspect of God that we have within us. Um, uh-huh. So I would say that that is the incorruptible, always living core of our being. And then what our mind or our consciousness is, is our expression. So for instance, uh, you are Jim Ward. You are an expression of God. And you are this and this and this and this and this and this, but you're not that and that and that. Does that make sense? So when we go into the conscious realm, we are concepts or ideas or we are 
I am scientific by nature, or I am religious by nature, or these are all descriptions of your personality types, which extends from the soul, but is not directly part of the soul because the soul is one with God. Okay. I, I really, I, 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 I've read a lot of different ideas and thought processes regarding the nature of the soul, because mm-hmm. like mind, body, and spirit, um, uh, the best that I've heard, this is, like I said, the best that I've heard. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know that there's necessarily proof, so that's why it's a belief, <laughs> but or uh, why I have faith about this, but uh, the soul was described as the soul is our... Uh, uh, the total man or those three aspects hmm. mind body and spirit it's our full experience it's okay. not just it's not just our thoughts it's not just our spirit but it's our it's our full experience so it's it would be it would be the triune in one whereas you would have mind body spirit the soul would be all three of them together so to speak yes um, the the best phrase that I've heard is the full experience of the spirit and the body. I like that. Yeah, I did too, because it, it was easy for my brain, so I guess that's why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'll take it as simply as I can get it. You don't have to make it rocket science. <laughs> what Somebody, what time... We, I was, we were listening to a speaker, and we really enjoyed. Oh, it was Walker, and, mm-hmm. and we were, we were listening to um, James Dobson. Do you remember him? No, I did not. About him, he's a, a family and child psychologist, and he started Focus on the Family. Okay. So that's that's James Dobson, and we were just standing there, just talking about how insightful this man was, and and how we. He agreed with, with, no, how did we put it? We just thought he was so insightful, and we really liked what I said. And I said, do you know why we like what he, what he says? And Walker said, why? And I said, because he agrees with us. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Uh. But the, 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 that idea of the soul is the full experience of mm-hmm. the body, uh, of, the, of the body and the, uh, uh, the spirit, body and spirit. No, I like that a lot. I was taught specifically that uh, humans are made of body and mm-hmm. spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, not necessarily a triune, but just body and spirit, physical and spirit. That's what I was taught. And the soul is the culmination or the full experience of those two things. That's just what I was taught. Gotcha. And I like your, like your descriptive. Um, mind, body, and spirit, or your consciousness. Yeah, because I think I, I think our consciousness is much more than our brain. Um, oh yeah, and it is it is something that can exist outside of the brain, and oh, I yeah. think the brain is actually a limiter or maybe an engine for the consciousness. I, I, well, yeah. I've got all kinds of experiences with people who have uh, severe cerebral palsy and discover later that they are incredible 
thinkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the one of there's several. One of my favorite stories is when I was working in Cincinnati, and I was the the, the preaching minister there, and my good friend was the youth minister, and he uh, was going to have a youth Sunday when the youth would run the entire program. Mm-hmm. In our in congregation, we had several people, pardon me, several uh, uh, people that were uh, children, teenagers, and adults. I guess a total of maybe five or six that had Down syndrome. I don't know why. Um, one of them was, was in a family. She was a teenage girl who was 13 or 14, and she was functional, not high functional, but she was functional, yeah. um, and she acted She acted mostly like an eight or nine-year-old little girl, mm-hmm. but she was, she could read and, you know, and, and, uh, and so forth. Then there was a gentleman who was about 30, and he had severe cerebral palsy, and he was in a wheelchair and could only move around with the, with the joystick. Yeah. Uh, so he one hand functional, and I would go and visit him uh, a lot, and and he would try and talk. Um, his name was Greg. He would try and talk, and he had a great sense of humor <laughs> because I would say he'd say stuff. I go, oh, "Come on, Greg, you got to say it better than that. I can't understand you." And he would laugh and laugh and <laughs> laugh. And, and, but at any rate, my good friend, the youth minister, asked, and I knew nothing about this. He asked Greg to write the communion meditation for that Sunday morning, and the uh, the uh, young lady, the teenager who had Down syndrome, read it. So I'm standing in the back watching this whole worship service play out with the with the teens, and it was just wonderful. And and when it came time for preparation for communion, the teenage girl starts walking up the aisle, and behind her, Greg is in his wheelchair. And Mm -hmm. I'm going, well, what is this? And they get up in front, and she starts reading a full page that he wrote of one of the most insightful thought processes about communion. Mm -hmm. And I was was, uh, reduced to tears because I realized that this man's brain was... High, high function, probably far more intelligent than I was, and he, his brain would not allow his conscious to get through. Yeah, a lot of the people who are on the spectrum are that way. It's yep. <clears throat> their brain is high functioning. It's that the inputs aren't getting correctly to the body. See, I have the exact opposite problem. Um, my brain is high functioning, but. My my intelligence isn't. <laughs> it's it's allowing too much stuff to get out that really shouldn't get out. Uh, need a need a need a manager for the mouth, right? <laughs> oh yeah, that's uh, that's well said. Uh, hey, we could all use one of those. Yeah. Um, well, well, since you bring that up, I'll just tell you. As we know, Proverbs says, "A wise man is thought uh, a man is thought wise." Who keeps his mouth shut? Yep. That's all. And uh, I haven't learned that yet, and, but it's <laughs> clear to me that you have. Hey, well, I'm you starting a podcast, son. so obviously I didn't get the message either. <laughs> you and my son both are, are just generally 
quiet individuals, and people think you're really smart. Yeah, I mean, I use what I got. That's all I, that's all I can do. Well, and uh, just here's a personal aside. I watch your dad mm -hmm. be patient with me and put up with my mouth. I, I'm serious. I watch him do that. <laughs> uh, well, that's it. He he is a very patient man. So. Um, so back to the uh, the translations. So I guess with um, with some of that information that we talked about, um, I would say that uh, all of the translations and versions are important mm -hmm. for a complete understanding, especially if you don't read Greek and or understand Greek or Hebrew. Yes, I would agree with uh, that fully. Yeah, I, I like to use the um, the NASB and the NIV, mm -hmm. uh, and even the King James. And see, the King James version was um, it was written, from what I understand, it was written, um, it was the scripture, which I maintain is. Factual and true in every sense. Mm -hmm. uh, it is the truth of God. Let's simply put. But the King James Version was uh, written in a, a cultural language that was heavy on uh, poetry. Yes. And the poetry of the time was inserted into uh, God's communication. Mm -hmm. Much in the same way that good news for modern man was inserted into the, and I use this term loosely, but into the hippie culture of the 60s. You know, it was like, hey, man, let's, there was this really good guy who was really God in the flesh, you know, like, <laughs> you know. So that was, that's, that's what I know about the King James Version. It was written with... Uh, from a viewpoint there, or poetry. Oh, and there's also <clears throat> some other things about it that are um, very interesting as well, too. Have you ever heard of gematria? No, tell me. <clears throat> so gematria is the study of numbers and language. Oh, yes, so, I, yes. Um, so, for instance, A would be 1, B would be 2, C would be 3, and each... Uh, word adds up to a certain number or a phrase adds up to a certain number. Um, okay. Specifically with the King James Version, there is a lot of gematria in it. Um, oh, yeah. Where there is mathematical... Um, how do I say it? Mathematical fluidness, um, truth as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, one of the things I, I remember, I didn't remember the name of that, what, what Demetria, but I also learned about the King James Version. I read several articles, and I think I had to read a book. I can't remember, but it was, a, it was about how the King James Version used repetition, the poetic repetition. Mm -hmm. They would say the phrase and then repeat it, although it may not have necessarily been in the original language. Yeah. Because that was the nature of that, um, and they one one 
particular study, and this was uh, a study that was designed to show that the King James Version was actually from God. It was a very interesting um, thing. But anyway, the guy said that one phrase will explain past phrases because of the way they're written. Yes. And in that, I, I guess it's Elizabethan language, maybe? Mm-hmm. Is that the language it was written in? Would that, um, what would be the language, the Old English language, whatever? Well, I think it's I think it's technically Middle English. Okay, Middle English. So, but the the point is that the, it was written in from the perspective of that cultural English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that the people of that time could understand it. Correct. Yeah. And the ironic thing is, and now this is the story that I was told, that going back to the word baptizo, the reason they transliterated specifically that word it was the translators. Uh, do you remember the number of translators it was? I, I used to know. For NIV? No, for King James. Um, I want to say it was one guy. Well, it was a group of it was a group of translators. The number seventy sticks in my mind, but that I, I don't know that to be true. But yeah. at any rate, the translators, when they got to the word baptizo, they could not translate that word because King James was sprinkled, <laughs> and, and they would have he would have had their head or their job or whatever, there would be problems. Mm-hmm. If they had said, this is what the Bible says, and by the way, King, you're wrong. <laughs> you, you know, you yeah. have not done <clears throat> Yeah. And so that's why they transliterated the word, rendering it pretty much meaningless. Mm-hmm. It's uh, very interesting for me, too, on the uh, baptism side. Um, yeah. So have you ever heard of alchemy? As in um, the, the alchemy, um, it is an it's the science before chemistry. Yes. So I before yes. before we had chemistry, we had alchemy, and right. all it is is the transmutation or the process through which one thing changes into another thing. Right. That that's all it means. Um, right. But actually, one of the ancient alchemical symbols that was used was the Star of David. And you had two triangles in the Star of David. Um, The triangle that points downward is called the Uh Water Triangle and symbolizes destruction. And the triangle that points upwards is the Fire Triangle and symbolizes purification. Okay. So with the baptism, you have a destruction through water. Uh And then you get the Holy Spirit of Fire. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. I had not heard that. You, if you have information uh, that I can read about and look into that more in depth, I'd, lo- I'd love to know about that. Absolutely, that is sir. fascinating. Mm-hmm. I, love the, I, I love the connections. And what I find fascinating about the Bible is you can read a passage and co- uh, contemplate it and go back and read it again and contemplate it. And you don't get different meaning. You get deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. And the, the 
connections that I make with God's Word to reality and to other parts of the Bible, I find absolutely invigorating. Yep. In fact, that's the kind of thing that makes my faith deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's those things that you learn about after the fact that fit right in. Say that again? It's the things that you learn about after the fact that fit exactly into place. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, for instance, with the uh, alchemy thing, uh, when Jesus talks about the salt of the earth, um, in ancient alchemy, there were three major components, you could say. Um, and that is salt, sulfur, and mercury. Salt, soap, sulfur, and mercury. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you have the salt that we are, the sulfur that is below, and the mercury, you know, that is the transmutation process of us trying to get higher or going back to where we were. Okay. All right. That's interesting thought process. Mm -hmm. it, it, there's a lot of things, a lot of things that are, um, I would say companion things to the Bible or to the New Testament that are fields of study that I think are integral to understanding the big picture. Absolutely. This is a side issue, but... It supports what you just said, and mm -hmm. that is, I have a problem with uh, popular notions that science represents truth, um, because I learned in seventh grade, and I'm pretty sure this is correct, that science is not truth. Science is merely the process through which we discover that which already exists. That, that is correct, sir. <laughs> and, and scientists are not the arbiters of truth. No, they're not. They're the people <laughs> trying to discover truth. Yeah, exactly. Discover mm -hmm. truth. So so with that side issue, it really supports what you just said. The more we read God's word and understand it, mm -hmm. and the more we discover the truth around us, the reality of the truth around us uh, uh, and the things around us, and these uh ancient studies and ancient um, um, discoveries, because mm -hmm. basically that's kind of what alchemy was. They were trying to discover something. Exactly. Yeah, they were they were looking for something, which is what scientists do. But anyway, that supports your notion that it's not just the Bible. It's the Bible and the discovery of the things around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, one of the things that I learned in college that floored me at the time because I had never heard of it before and hardly anyone talks about it is the description of water in the New Testament. Now, okay. water to the Jewish people of ancient times was a symbol of destruction. Right. Because of the flood. <laughs> right. Exactly. So whenever water is mentioned, it means destruction. Right. So a lot of the times people will talk about it, oh, it's a cleansing thing, it's a purifying... No, that's not actually what it meant to the people at the time. Right. You know. And, and yes, uh, one historian uh, that I loved to listen to, his name was uh, Ray Vanderlaan. Have you mm -hmm. ever heard of him? Yes. Oh, cool. Okay, so Ray Vanderlaan would talk about 
like when the when the Israelites came up to the Jordan River, mm-hmm. they saw it as a barrier, mm-hmm. a barrier, death. They saw it. We cannot do this. And it gave God the opportunity to say, well, not only am I your God, I'm the God of everything, and mm-hmm. I control all this stuff. Yep. And this is no longer death. I will save you through the water, both yep. literally and metaphorically. Yeah. I'm going to part it, and I'm, you're going to walk right through to what I have promised mm-hmm. you. That's powerful, yeah. powerful image. It's also the hero's journey. The hero's journey? Mm-hmm. I've never heard that phrase. Explain oh, what you mean. Um, so the hero's journey is the narrative tale of practically all stories. So okay. the hero does not matter, you know, gender or whether it's a group of people or a single person, um, right. gets called on an adventure. Now, what that adventure is is different, you know, depending on the thing. Along that way, they meet usually a mentor or a guide. Uh, then they go through trials and tribulations. Um, uh-huh. Then at the bottom of the hero's, jer- hero's journey circle, you will have um, the abyss and death. So you will have to pass through the abyss and death to go through the transformation to come out pure on the other side and become the hero. J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, any story. Yeah. Any story. <laughs> that, that is the trilogy right there. Mm-hmm. That's, actually, that's there's a really cool. good book. I um, can't remember who is by, but it's actually called The Hero's Journey. And they describe, you know, in detail all of the actions. It's actually, um, you know, the Iliad, the Odyssey from all yeah. through history, mm-hmm. all the way up to today. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Um, hang on one second. A thought crossed my mind. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get it back. It's okay. Nope, I'm not going to be able to get it back. Just... <laughs> it's all good, oh. sir. Yeah, but even in the even in the New Testament, they have the hero's journey with Jesus. Um, we have the time where we don't know what he was doing through his trials and tribulations on his own. Then we right. start the journey pretty much with the abyss and death part, where he is out in the wilderness after he has oh. met his mentor, John the Baptist, He's out in the wilderness to face his trials and tribulations before he comes back to be the hero. Okay. I understand. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that all makes sense. Yep. So we're back to the, um, back to the tra- translations and versions. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was teaching um, a class uh, at, uh, at church. And I was, I called it loosely church university because I am of the mind that most Christians are woefully uh, behind, including myself, woefully behind in what we should know and automatically not, and I'm not just talking about memorizing scripture and being able to say book, chapter, and verse, this is what it says. No, that, that, that's just, that's like, that's like factualized learning or just like what we do to the kids today. They don't understand or like use their brain or logically discern things. They just wrote memorization. Exactly. Yep. So I, I came up with this idea of church university and all I did was teach a class that I took in Bible college, and it was one of my favorite classes. Mm-hmm. For some people, it was kind of dry because the title was uh, Basic Bible Doctrines. Yeah. And um, 
but that's what it was. And I, I love teaching it. I love the information that I got from it. And we kept happening on this discussion about translations and people saying, well, I was taught that so-and-so, or I was taught that my great aunt said, and well, I had a great preacher that I trusted, and he always said, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, wait a minute, guys. <laughs> I'm not teaching you what I believe. I'm trying to teach you what the Bible actually says. This yeah. is, now, you can make your own conclusions. That's up to you. But here's what I came up with. And even this it, uh, breaks down at some level. But I to try and explain the notion of the translations and the idea of your own conclusion and um, uh, also the idea, and I told people, I said, look, if you can, if you can trace any doctrine, any biblical doctrine back to one person, then that doctrine should be uh, uh, considered highly uh, questionable. Questionable. Highly <laughs> Highly questionable. questionable. If you can trace it back to one person mm -hmm. other than the original writer as we have codified in in the Old and New Testament. So yeah. anyway, so here's what I said to try and help them grasp all of this information together. I said uh, all of the Bible is true all of the time, all at the same time. Because we were saying people were saying, well, it says all you have to do is believe and be saved. Yeah, it says that. Also says you have to confess. <laughs> you have to repent. Now, if you don't do those things, and other and other people were saying, well, if you don't do this or that, you know, those, those are those are that's uh, something that you do. And I'm going, well, maybe, maybe not. But the point is, they are conditions of salvation. It's yeah. just a condition, just like for the prodigal son, there was a condition. He had to go home. He had to turn around and go back home before he received the full benefit of his father's forgiveness. I'm of the mindset that as soon as the prodigal son reached the end of the walk and opened the gate and walked away, as soon as he reached that gate, his father had already forgiven him. Yeah. Well, I think his father had already forgiven him when he turned back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well... Oh, yeah, when he said, give me my share of the property, his father already had a forgiving mind. Yeah. And, well, you do what you want to do. Um, I'm, I am, that's why it's called for, F-O-R-E, giving a for. <laughs> but to forgive, yeah. I'm going to give you that grace before you even need it. And, but you're not going to receive the full benefit of that grace until you come home. Yeah, and in the same sense, I think the um, the modern version of what we call sin um, would be us turning away from God. It's it's not the action itself; it is us turning away from the source of all things. Right. And when we turn back towards and repent towards the source of all things, that is when we get our forgiveness. Hang on to that thought, because I want to come back to that in just a second. But okay. I wanted to, one of the other reasons why I gave them that phrase, all of the Bible is true, all of the time, all of the same time, that actually originated in Haiti. 
because when Walker and I were going down there and teaching, and by the way, for those of you all listening, Walker is the senior minister, the preaching minister at Rappahannock Church of Christ, and we have uh, we've been in ministry together for many, many years, and we went down to Haiti and taught classes down there. But while I was down there teaching, there was always they would always get into an argument about what the Bible said and what it meant, and there was always that argument. And some would say, well, it says this. And others would say, yeah, but it also says this. And I, and I finally, several times I had to shut down the arguing, <laughs> partly because they yeah. were arguing in um, French Creole, and I had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but that's where that came from. I said, look, guys, all of this Bible is true, all of it, all at the same time. And it's all the time it's true. It's not just true at one point in history and then true a different kind of truth at another point in history. No. So that's where I came up with that phrase. And one of the reasons why I came, another reason that I came up with that was because people were saying, well, this is what's going to happen at the end times. This is going to happen. And then that's going to happen. And then this, we're going to have this time of this much and this, and whatever people conclude about that, that's fine. Whatever you want to believe Revelation means and or says, but the simple fact is all of that, according to the Bible, says it will all happen in the blink of an eye, you know, the day of Christ's return. And I'm going, wait a minute, what does that mean? Is that, is that, does that mean it, uh, 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 what's the word, uh, exactly what it says on, on surface or is it metaphorical? You know, yeah. what are we talking about? Yeah, because uh, a lot of people don't understand prophecy in the first place. Yeah. And you have to understand that what we were talking about earlier with the different bodies, a conscious right. body and a spiritual body. Right. When uh, you read in the Bible of people going up to the third heaven to seeing, you know, this thing happening or the revelation of John happened in the either conscious or spiritual body. I don't know whether it was in either one, but this is a metaphorical realm, which means right. that the timeline does not sync up with the timeline for the physical realm. So you can't exactly. say, hey, oh, it took seven years. No, that literally means a completion cycle. That's all it means. Right. You know? And, and on top of all that, not only do I agree with what you just said, but it was written in apocalyptic language which was high, highly metaphorical to begin with yes so anyway whatever you believe about revelation whether you think it's all metaphorical whether it's all spiritual whether it, it is literal whatever you believe about that the point is and, and what the scripture means when it says it will all happen in the twinkling of an eye i don't know but what i do know is that all of the bible is true all of the time all at the same time and all of that stuff is true all at the same time. Yeah. I don't know how it's going to happen. Just like uh, everybody was questioning, well, how could Jesus come from Egypt, Nazareth, and Bethlehem? Well, now we look back and we say, oh, I see. <laughs> they couldn't figure that one out. But and <laughs> just like there's a lot of stuff we can't figure out because we're not at the other as far as time goes, we're not at the other end of it. Yeah, We'll look back at some point when, when we are out of this time and space continuum, and we'll look back and we'll be able to see, I believe, as God sees. Yeah, I think that we will reach a point, um, well, 
personally anyways. I believe that we are a crop. We're referenced as a crop many times throughout the yep. Bible. Uh, and what we do as a crop is we grow and we produce fruit. Um, right. So I think that we as souls are growing to a point at which we can truly be children of God. Okay. Yeah. That was, that's very interesting that she said that because this morning in our small group, the question was, are, are, uh, let's see. <clears throat> wait a minute. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to look it up. Give me just a second. <laughs> no problem, sir. <laughs> because it was, uh, it was such a good, a good question. Uh, it was basically, is everyone a child? Oh, here it is. Um, we are all God's creation, but are we all God's children? Absolutely. That was the question. Absolutely. Yeah, and say, absolutely. Be, like you say, yeah, because it, if we have to repent, if we have to return home, then we were God's children to begin with. Mm -hmm. You can't return to something that you was that you were never at. Yeah. <laughs> so I believe, and that supports John three sixteen. For God loved the entire world, all of His creation, all of His creatures. <clears throat> okay, so yeah, I think I we're gonna to go be. What say? Go ahead. I think we're gonna be wrapping it up here soon because we're getting close to an hour mark. Okay, sounds good. Um, do you have uh, wrap-up remarks? Um, not really. I'd like your thoughts on the reading the different versions all together so that you can get the best picture of the story from all of the different angles. Okay. Let me preface that by saying um, the next time we talk, I would like to talk about uh, blasphemy. Mm -hmm. uh, of the Holy Spirit, uh, I, the idea that there is only one sin that God will not forgive. Yes. Okay. That is, so we we can talk about that. Absolutely, kind sir. Of, but I love that. So, yes, um, I um, I go by the idea that you should use as many translations as you can. Um, Partly because you will see where some translations fall short yes. of, of what their intended, well, I shouldn't say their intended goal, because their intended goal sometimes is to present a particular teaching or doctrine. Yeah, that um, is very true. Yeah, like the, the, um, uh, the Mormon Bible, the uh, uh, Mormon, um, what, what's the other? Seven Day Adventist. Well, no, um, Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, um, they they because they have a they start with a teaching and then they make the Bible say what they want. It's like yeah. um, Jefferson's Jefferson's Bible. He did oh, not yeah. believe in miracles. Yeah. So that kind of stuff. You quickly realize that they're kind of way off the mark. But if you're using different translations that that are. Uh, that most scholars agree that is a good translation. If you're using those different translations, you will come uh, you will come away with I think a better understanding of what God is trying to tell us. For example, 
good news for modern man, uh, just based on the cultural, this cultural statement. If I said, uh, the pot is in the trunk, <clears throat> what did I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> because the good news for modern man says, speaks in very common terms like that, and uh, uh, if, if, if I said the pot is in the trunk, I could have been a cop who was talking to another cop, and you had some perpetrator there with a whole bunch of pot in his trunk. Or, mm -hmm. uh, no, no, the pot is in the, you know, the pot is in yeah, the trunk. It so could have been marijuana in the trunk of a car. That's right. Or marijuana. it could be a kettle in a trunk. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you go. Yeah, you go to a a, a church meal, a church function, yeah. and some old grandma says. Uh, the pot is in the pot of beans is in the trunk of my car. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why I like good news for honor man. I'll read that a lot, of, a lot, and then because it gives me kind of a thousand foot view of what's going on, and then I can delve deeper into the different uh, translations and uh, get a little bit closer to what the Greek meant. Yeah, uh, it's the same thing that what we deal with today in the modern world, where you'll have media outlets um, doesn't matter whether it's left or right n none of them are going to tell you the truth but if you read all of the different ones you can get a semblance of what actually happened from the different versions i call that squirrel hunting <laughs> we're doing a lot of squirrel hunting today yeah squirrel hunting is when when you walk out of the woods and you see a squirrel you run up mm -hmm. and all of a sudden the squirrel disappears but your dog with you He's on the other side of the tree barking and telling you there's a squirrel up there. From my side of the tree, there ain't no squirrel. <laughs> yep. So everybody's looking at the tree from a different angle. Yep. We, we as humans cannot tell stories without our own personal bias. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. So. There's a lot of media outlets that would disagree with you on that. Well, but, they, can, they can disagree all they want. That that's their that's their right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've enjoyed this a, a whole lot. This, yeah, so have uh, this I, sir. Nice. We'll, we'll have to do this some uh, do this another time. But I I'd really like to discuss the last that that one sin that the Bible says that God will not forgive. That's because I've, I've heard a lot of really weird stuff regarding that. Anyway. Sounds like a plan. We'll do that on the next one then. All right. I'm looking forward to it. All right. And thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you guys have a wonderful day out there.